You're listening to the Speechy Side Up podcast. This podcast will cover the flip side of traditional speech and language therapy so you get inspired and learn from experts in the field. Here is your host, author, AAC specialist, and matcha tea lover, Vanita Litvak. She and her guests are serving up some informative and fun topics in Speechy Side Up. Hi, everybody. Hopefully, we're not going to have a lag here or anything. Oh, it looks like I was just kind of hanging around there for a second, trying to get it set up. But I am here with Anne and Casey and Kristen and Joey, and we are so excited to talk to you guys about how to move beyond requesting. That particular topic got so many votes in the Facebook group for us to address with you. So we're really excited to share our tips and tricks today. So we're gonna start by introducing ourselves and we can start with Casey. So Casey, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Casey Barron. I'm a speech language pathologist in Northeast Florida and I'm the AAC specialist at my private practice that I work at. Um, Not my private practice, I'm a contractor, but yes, I do the AAC evaluations, the AAC therapy there. And my handle on Instagram, if you wanna find me is beach underscore therapy underscore SLP. And I'd love to have you guys drop on by my Instagram and um, let me know what you guys also want to learn more about with AAC because I love talking about it. All right. How about Joey? I'm Joey. I'm a speech pathologist and the program co-director of a school for kids with severe to profound needs in New York City. I also see uh, clients privately for AAC and assistive technology therapy and consultation. Um, So if you guys want to find me on Instagram, my handle is Joey Murph SLP. So I hope that you guys find me there. Yeah, definitely follow those two because they share so many great AAC and assistive technology tips. So without further ado, Kristen, tell us more about you, even though everybody's probably more familiar with you now since you're like one of the hosts of Core Calendar Club. Oh, for those that don't know me, my name is Kristen Powell. I'm a speech pathologist from Southern California. I work part-time as a speech pathologist um, for a small district here. I do a lot of the AAC assessments and some trainings for some of our support staff. Um, and teachers on AAC. And then I just started my own um, private practice part-time too, um, called Creative Communication. Um, so yeah, and I'm the Daily Dose of Speech um, if, on Instagram, so you can come say hi. Congrats on starting the private practice. I know that's a huge leap and I'm so excited for you. So that's awesome. And I'll go now and then um, we'll let Ann go. So if you're not familiar with me, my name is Vanita Litvak. I am the host of the Speechy Side Up podcast. I also work as an assistive technology specialist in my local school district and loving every minute of it. So all right, we'll let you go, Ann. Hi, I'm Ann Page and I am an SLP in Arizona. I am the AAC specialist for my district, and you can find me at Beautiful Speech Life on Instagram, and I also have my AAC Academy, which is a membership-based course for people wanting to learn more about AAC. Awesome. So we have the AAC rock stars here to talk to you guys about how to move beyond requesting. So let's start with Casey. Casey, can you share your tips for how you get your students who use AAC to move beyond requesting? 
Yes. So I actually brought a few things with me um, to show you guys. So I, of course, had to bring my iPad because I use my iPad in therapy every day. And I have a ton of free AAC apps. I hope you guys know that you can get free AAC apps from the vendors themselves. So let's say I'm working with LAMP, then I would pull out my device. And you know, if the kid has their own device, then that's obviously ideal. But um, we'll use mine if we need to. And I love puppets. I don't know <laughs> if you guys use puppets a lot, but I think that puppets are a great way to engage um, my clients in a way that doesn't require requests. So it's good because they can direct the action of the puppet. And I love working on directing actions because it, it really creates some good engagement with my, with my client because when you don't have your own voice for so long, you don't get to be bossy. And so really I teach them how to be bossy and I think that's so much fun. So they tell my puppet, you know, eat or sit or come and they just, I mean, it's so fun to see them laugh and smile and tell my puppet what to do. And sometimes they like to tell me what to do. So I do that too. So they say, go, I leave the room, I shut the door. And usually there's a, I have a student inside, like a grad student working with me and they like request to go come back in. You know, that is a request, right? Cause, but it's not requesting an item. It's requesting an action, which is a little bit different in my mind and still very important. So um, I definitely recommend using yourself or a puppet as the thing they can direct around and um, you can create different themes with it. Like if you're doing farm animals, having farm puppets. Um, I've, I've been gotten really creative with a bunch of different, um, just different core words to target with puppets. And but the favorite thing I think that the puppets do for them, especially when you're working with younger children, is feeding them and then the puppet spitting it out. <laughs> and it's, I'll have the puppet, you know, if they can request um, eat, to feed the puppet like a carrot or a dog treat. And then my puppet like chews it up and then spits it. And they just think that's the funniest thing. So I do a lot of that with them. Um, that was my first tip. Um, another tip that I had is targeting WH questions with literacy activities. So um, asking questions like I have a little book here. Hopefully you can see it, but it's just like a little peekaboo book and they can, you can ask them like, where is the chicken? The chicken is under the hay. You can work on prepositions with different books. You can ask, like, who is inside? You know, if you do want to work on some fringe vocabulary, like nouns, you can work on who questions. Um, I just love incorporating books in AAC therapy. I think working on literacy is so important. And the more reading skills our clients have, the better AAC users they usually become because the reading, you know, with the word, with the symbol is so powerful. So definitely like incorporating books. And um, another thing I like to do is for sabotage, I call it sabotage and my, my graduate students I work with are like, what? That sounds terrible. I'm like, it's not as bad as it sounds because what I do is I set up a situation in a way that maybe isn't the client's favorite thing and then they have to kind of protest that activity. So I might, one client of mine who was in, I uh, used AAC, she did not like singing. Like she didn't like music with words. She didn't like me singing. So sometimes I would start singing with a song and she would tell me to stop. And I thought that that was a great way to teach a protest appropriately in, a way, in an environment that didn't hurt my feelings or didn't hurt, you know? It was just a cute way to teach um, a protest and it was kind of creative. And so if you can find things that your client may not prefer and offer them, 
you can always give that, an, you can make that an opportunity to teach protesting. Um, and then hopefully that protest will generalize to other areas of their life where they need to have that using words in order to communicate instead of maybe using, you know, a physical reaction. So I think that that's a really great thing to consider for kids and adults that we work with. And my last tip is to incorporate pronouns in your therapy. And I actually learned this from one of my AAC mentors. And she um, told me that when she was mentoring me that a great way to teach me and I is to phrase a question like, if it's your turn at a game, to say, is it my turn or is it Miss Casey's turn? So you're framing the question in a way that you're modeling the word you want them to use on their device verbally, and then you can also visually model it. So another example would be, um, is it I do it or Miss Casey do it? And then they can say, I do it. So you're really working on those pronouns and you're doing it in a way that's naturalistic and easier for them to um, understand when you're modeling it. Because if we're always using a third person, like I, uh, Miss Casey does it or get the name of the kid if it's Joey. Miss Casey does it or Joey does it. That doesn't make any sense because you want them to be able to respond in the most naturalistic way. So I really liked that tip and I wanted to share that with you guys today. I love all of those suggestions. Before we move on to Joey, does anybody want to add to that or say anything? Um, I think those are great ideas and I love uh, the puppet one because kids love that, like the, and the whole piece of making it fun is so important. Definitely, thank you. That was great, all right. Joey, ready? <laughs> yep, all right. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about an activity um, that I love to do in therapy and an activity that I love to advise families to do in therapy as well. Um, and so the activity that I always tell families to try and do at home with their kids is cooking because you can get so many different language functions in that one activity. And then also during therapy, you can do this as well. It doesn't have to be cooking food, but things that involve a recipe. So it could even be making lotions or making chapstick or anything that you can use that involve a recipe. And so some of the functions that I get out of that a lot can be rejection, um, like Casey talked about sort of putting in something or starting to pour something that you know isn't supposed to go in the recipe. And then you, the kid could say no more or stop or um, don't or whatever um, word they're able to use for rejection and protesting. Um, another language function that I love to get out of this is giving opinions. Um, so it's very easy either when you're tasting something or feeling a texture of something. Um, you can say like, don't like, yucky, that's good, that's bad. Um, so if you're making something that's not cooking, it can be a very good sensory activity to sort of feel the lotions and feel if you're making a body scrub, feel the sort of grainy texture of a body scrub. Um, another one is commenting. Um, so you can get feels hot. If you're cooking something that feels hot, you can say, I put more, I pour. There are so many different sort of commenting phrases that you can use when you're cooking. Um, another one that I, I feel like a lot of kids tend to struggle with is asking questions um, because so often in therapy and in school, they're just being asked questions. They're not 
so often given the opportunity to ask questions themselves. And cooking is an activity that you can really ask questions as well. So what next? What do we have to do next? How much do we have to put in? If it's something that needs to go into um, like a microwave or something, um, how long does it have to go in? Asking where ingredients are, things like that. And then also directing, directing others. So telling them, you do it or you put more is another great function that you can get out of recipes and cooking and um, sort of making things with your students. And then lastly, at home, um, if you're talking to a family about doing this, after they cook and then they're sort of sitting down to eat what they just made, whether it's a smoothie or a sandwich, it doesn't have to be anything too elaborate or crazy. It can sort of just be like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, right? Or something very simple. And then while you're eating, it would, it's really nice to sort of then do like a storytelling like a personal narrative talking about what you did that day, what they did that day, what they learned in school. So I feel like cooking, you sort of get every single language function. Um, so I think it's a really, really great tool to sort of move our um, students beyond that requesting I want, I want, I want phase that sometimes they get into. And just one more thing is if you're cooking and you're using and you have kids that need switch access and might have a little bit less um, motor abilities, you can use a power link. I'm not sure how many people are familiar with that, but you can plug in the device, say a blender or um, anything that requires an outlet and then plug a switch into it so that they're more of an active participant in the cooking activity as well. Um, so if anyone has any questions about that, definitely let me know. I loved all of those tips. I really liked the lotion idea. I thought that was super creative. And I really like how you shared different activities that this can carry, that can carry over at home. Because I think we think a lot of, lot in terms of, you know, doing it in school, doing it in therapy, but I love that your suggestions are something that the parents can take and use at home. So that was great. Does anybody else want to add to that? I just wanted to say that I, I like to use cooking a lot too with my students and I tell my parents too the same thing like these are fun activities you can do at home but at, at school uh, after we're done with the activity or actually while we're doing the activity we'll take pictures and then I'll put it into like a Google slide or something like that and then we'll make it a writing activity afterwards and then they're motivated because they're in the pictures and it's all about them. So they're like super mm -hmm. excited. And then they're, you know, doing something from beginning to end and they're proud of it too. Great suggestion. Perfect. Well, Kristen, since you're up, do you want to go ahead and share your tips? Sure. Yeah. So um, I wanted to talk about just about typically developing children and when they start to combine words is when they have about 50 words, when they start to combine them. So for our AEC users, we know that they need about 50 to 150 exposures to that word before they will start using it, you know, independently or spontaneously. So just to have that in the back of your mind when you're working with these students and you're like, you know what, they're not moving beyond one word or they're not moving beyond requesting, just really think about how many times you're exposing them to that word or that function before you would expect to see them to use it um, with you. 
So um, having said that, I have a couple of activities and actually I didn't even have this up until Casey was talking about um, giving directions. So I don't know if you guys have used this app called Pog, um, but it's really amazing. It's loud. <laughs> I turn it down. Uh, it's called Pog, and you can tell him to do things, which is super fun. So you can go to pictures, and they have different functions here that you can tell Pog to do, if you guys can see that here. But one is eat. So you can tell him, you eat or eat it, and he will do it. <laughs> so the kids like totally like that one. There's a whole bunch of different things you can tell him to laugh you can tell him to sleep so um, I like that app to use for giving direction the other thing that I like to use and this is from AAC language lab I don't know if you guys can see this but I use this a lot I give this to my teachers um, just to show them the different stages it has here about using core words in everyday activities um, so it has the activity here on the left. So it talks about calendar time and how you can move from one word like more to two, um, go more, and then to three, you go more. So if ever I'm stuck on a word with a student uh, or like a function, I'll pull out something, even if they're not using something from um, Pranky Roma Company, they have great ideas on there. Um, to use for any student in any device. So I like to use that. I believe this is free. I downloaded it a while ago, but it might be under their free resources. I also, oh, the pog is going again. Sorry. Pog <laughs> <laughs> is going crazy. Um, I know, he's just excited. Um, this is another actually from AAC Language Lab. Um, it shows the icon sequence. So this is for 60 sequence, but it shows the different words here and the icon sequence. So if, if I'm giving this to a teacher, I like this because it shows her what buttons or what, what buttons to push in order to give that direction. So um, you can talk about feelings, play, and then um, if you're gonna move to the two word, I feel, we play, I go, and then it goes all the way to like three word. Phrases. So I like that too. And then last, I wanted to show you guys, I don't remember where I got this from, but if anybody wants it, I will link it um, in my Instagram. But this has language, all the different language functions on here so that you can see when you're taking your data, you can see where your student is lacking and then where you need to focus on next. So if all they're doing is requesting here, then you can see what, what you need to target for like your next goals with them um, or what you can give the teacher um, and for her to practice um, in the classroom. And then I know I said that was the last thing, but I have a, one more thing I wanted to um, talk about was um, video modeling. Because I know for a lot of our students, it's hard to get them motivated um, to use other communicative functions. So I found that for some of my kids, video modeling helps a lot. Um, if they watch a video, if kids like um, delivering a message or delivering a package and they like will practice greetings like hi this is for you thank you um, I kind of will I'll show them that first to introduce the different language functions so um, and that's it <laughs> those are great suggestions and it's just amazing like everyone here has shared different activities so it just goes to show you like there's so many different ways to 
move beyond that requesting. And I love that you guys shared all of your tips. Does anybody want to comment on something Kristen shared? I also love the AAC language lab. I think I use it every week at the very least. And there's some great parent activities in there. So definitely recommend. I want to take a quick break to tell you about this free resource library that you can access today at fusionwebclinic.com. In that resource library, they have a soap note kit. They also have a pediatric therapy materials bundle. And if you're thinking about seeing clients privately or starting your own private practice, they have a clinic logo design guide. They also have a guide for choosing the right EMR system. Actually, Fusion Web Clinic is an EMR system. And if you'd like to request a demo, you can do that. If you love it, then you can also get $50 off your first month. All you have to do is say that you heard about the software on the Speechy Side Up podcast. Awesome. Well, I love how you guys shared activities. Um, I know there's still kids where we're modeling the words and we're introducing the activities that require us to use other language functions, but yet we're still having a hard time getting them to move beyond that requesting. So I wanted to share some considerations with you guys. One of those considerations is to make sure that we're varying the response for the words that we're targeting. And I would like to recommend that you vary the response at least three different times for a specific target word in your session. So let's say your word is eat. Maybe one time the child says eat, you provide them with food. The next time they say eat, you pretend to eat. The next time they say eat, you maybe show them like a character eating. This is going to help them to um, not overgeneralize that word and think that it only applies to that specific activity or that specific item. And there is a research article about that. It's called Motivating Autistic Children Through Stimulus Variation. And if you'd like me to share that with you, I can. But varying the response is one consideration. Another thing I'd like you to consider is turning on data logging. So a lot of AAC systems provide this. If you have a student who uses Lamp Words for Life or a PRC device, you can actually use the Realized Language integration. Realized Language, if you are not familiar with it, we've actually given it away for free and we are going to do some more giveaways of it. So get excited about that. But Realized Language actually takes the data from the device and uploads it to a cloud-based platform and it organizes it into this pretty like word cloud and different charts and it lets you know what type of words the individual is using. So you might see, okay, they're using a lot of nouns. Maybe that's why we're seeing a lot of requesting. Um, Maybe they're not using as many verbs or as many pronouns. Maybe they don't know how to use those words. So it gives you a good idea of what words you need to be modeling and um, language functions you need to be targeting. Uh, Another strategy I want you to think about or consideration is responding to mishits. So the more the child uses that AAC system, the more we want things to happen so they can learn that cause and effect. And that means even if they're hitting the wrong button, let's say they wanted to hit cookie and they accidentally hit cracker. If we don't have a cracker available, we can pull one up on the computer, we can put it on our phone and show it to them. And then that's a great opportunity to teach them to reject. Maybe they don't want to look at the cracker, they really want that cookie. Um, But by responding, we're teaching the meaning of that word that they accidentally hit. And then we're also giving them the opportunity to, um, you know, practice the word that they wanted to say as well. So respond to those mishits. Um, some, I think lamp words for our language acquisition through motor planning, that theory basically says that there is no thing as a wrong answer. Everything is a communication opportunity. So keep that in mind. 
Um, Casey and I think maybe somebody else also shared about introducing literacy activities. So one thing um, to kind of expand on that is when you're doing literacy-based activities, pick a, a core word or pick you know, a couple words depending on the AAC user's level that you're gonna target throughout the book. If you can find a book with repeated phrases, even better. And I want to encourage you to use the RAP strategy. So that stands for Read, Ask, Answer, and Prompt. And it's by Dr. Kent Walsh and Kathy Binger, Dr. Kathy Binger. So if you want to look into that, I'd highly recommend it. But basically what it, it does is you're modeling that target word in the book, and then you're fading that prompting throughout the reading and giving it an expectant delay. So between 10 to 15 seconds, you, you're expecting the child to then read that word using their AAC device after you've already modeled it a couple of times. And the research shows that by fading that prompting, kids, um, you know, individuals who use AAC, they are kind of expected to start like um, being more independent during that reading and not be such a passive listener, but more of an active reader. So that's another consideration. Um, okay, this one's a really simple one, but it often gets overlooked like all the time. And so I would encourage you to take a look at the AAC system and think, does it have enough vocab in it? Do we have words hidden where they're only able to mostly request? Um, when you are targeting specific words and maybe you do need to use hide and show because they're mishitting, like they're hitting the wrong buttons, or you want them to focus on target words during a session, that's fine. You use hide and show for that. But I'd also let, um, encourage you to have them explore the other words as well. So open up all the vocabulary occasionally, at least once a day and let them just play around with the words. This is the equivalent of letting a child like babble. And if you can respond to their productions, even though they're not intentional, by responding to those words, they're going to start to learn the association with the symbols that they're hitting. It's kind of like when a child is babbling when they're younger and they're like, mama, mama, mama. And we're like, you said mama. But really, the baby has no idea that they're saying mama. But they start to learn that, oh, when I say mama, mama, I get that response. So it's the same thing with the AAC system. So, you know, make sure that you're opening up that vocabulary. Um, you know, are there too few buttons? Maybe working with, you know, your AT specialist if you're in the school system or consulting with somebody else if you're not, you know, if you don't feel comfortable with it to see can we increase the number of buttons on this AAC system so they have access to more vocabulary. And then another thing is some AAC systems out there are primarily phrase-based. So they have those nice carrier phrases like I see, I want, I like, which lend themselves, like lead to another page. And it has like the predicted vocabulary words, which are mostly nouns, but then it's not conducive to creating spontaneous novel utterances. So, you know, making sure that the AAC system is basically set up so that you can teach those other language functions, make sure it has that vocabulary to teach it. The last thing I want to share is um, getting a language sample. So this kind of goes along with the data logging. So we, you know, we've learned about taking data or language samples in grad school. You can do the same thing with an AAC system, even if you don't have access to a data logging program. Record their use of the device independently for a period of time and see what kind of words they're using. Are they using primarily nouns? Um, what words from the top word lists are they not using independently? And the word lists that we're looking at are like Banaji's list, Gail Van Tatenhove's list, the dynamic learning maps from the University of North Carolina, 
even dolt word lists, you know, are they using those other word categories? And if they're not, we can't have them make novel utterances if they don't know how to use those words. So we need to teach them those building blocks so that they can combine them any way that they want to target those other language functions. So um, I think that's it. <laughs> Does anybody want to like say anything or add to that? I think, uh, well, we have a question. You might have answered it already, but I'm looking at the live feed and somebody asked, how much does babbling skew the data on real life? Um, That's such a good question. Well, babbling or modeling? Because I do get a question a lot about the modeling. He said babbling. I'm not, it's in quotation, so I'm pretty sure she meant babbling. Okay. Well, maybe the, the way that I would like explain it for the modeling can work the same for babbling too. So a lot of people will say, okay, modeling skews the data because we can't discern whether it's the communication partner touching the device or it's the communicator touch, you know, activating the device. So what I'll say is like get a baseline where the modeler is not touching the device at all. Maybe it's one day or maybe it's one hour or one session. And that entire time you're not the modeler or the communication partner is not touching the device. Then you have a real baseline for what that student is doing with the device. Um, and then in terms of babbling, you know, you could just make a note during that period of time. You're not going to model and you're also going to make a note that those and Okay, kind of going along with that. We don't know if they're intentionally hitting those words or, you know, not intentionally hitting those words sometimes, mm -hmm. um, right? I mean, like yeah. I've had kids where we've hidden words and then we've opened up other ones and they start, you know, babbling on them, but then they learn how to use them very quickly. And if they had had, had access to those words sooner, they would have been intentionally using them. So I don't know, does anybody else have any ideas on how to expand well, on that? that? Well, like you said, um, we have to presume competence. So we have to, um, it's just best practice to, to believe that they are giving some meaning to that word. And, and to me, it's like, I would much rather have somebody modeling than taking great data every day. Like if you had to make a choice, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, you want good data, but you want that good modeling even right. more. Yeah, great point. That's a really good point. All right, Anne, you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So many good ideas, I don't feel like I have to say anything now. <laughs> but I do have a few. Um, so kind of going back to um, Janet Light's research of the four main reasons for communicating. So expressing wants and needs is valid. We definitely want a kiddo to be able to do that. But it's just a lot of times that um, we get not we, but people get so focused on just that. So we're talking about moving into those other areas for communication. And the next one is developing social closeness, which I think is so important, especially for our kids with um, complex communication needs, because so many times a, a lot of them are kind of just really geared to themselves. So if we can give them some motivation and ways to communicate with their peers, then we are giving them like a piece of humanity, like something that's so important and it's so much a part of being a human. So I think that that's a really good one to focus on. I'll talk about a couple of ideas for that. And then exchanging information, which I think is another thing that um, we do focus on that in school. And then um, fulfilling social etiquette. So all of those comments like please and thank you and hello and goodbye 
that are really important. So I think with, uh, I want to give some ideas for working with older kiddos. So maybe kids that are junior high age. And I work with some mixed groups where I have the whole classroom and some of the kids are um, verbal speaking in sentences and uh, some of them are speaking in one word, maybe two word sentences, and then some are uh, on it new to a device. So kind of have a nice wide range. So to try and get them to engage in some type of conversation, I think is really cool. So I was trying this the other day. I put this on Instagram. I made these little um, slap bracelets and I just did like a carrier phrase on it. So this one is, uh, and has the core words on what is your favorite color? And then I have another one, what is your favorite food? And so having the interactive piece of having it on a bracelet, any, it seems like anytime you can make it novel and make it a little bit different, that you'll get a little bit more engagement. And so they knew that they had to go through and ask their question. So my verbal kids are like the modelers and they have to ask this and then they have to get an answer before they can do the slap piece. So that's like super motivating for them. And um, I know it's not natural to ask questions with a bracelet, but it's a good, uh, a really good starting point and gives them that visual and kind of makes it into a game. And then we'll do some things to scaffold that skill and maybe get them, you know, starting to talk about their day and I'm working with the teacher so that we are doing this as uh, part of their center time. So at the end of each center, they're kind of having this time to communicate a little bit. Another thing that I like to do with the older kiddos is for uh, youth at um, following directions. Like, so do following directions, but with work task boxes. So that makes it functional and it's almost like a, a pre-job skill um, for down the road, hopefully. And it's just got some visual directions using some of the core vocabulary. And then usually uh, at the beginning of it, there's a question, can you do it, which is core related. And then for them to be able to say, I can, or I can do it. So that kind of piece is like building, um, building self-esteem as well and building confidence in, because so many times, people do things for them, for them to be able to have some independence and learn to do it for themselves is really cool. And then finally, um, for the younger kids, I really like the idea of, well, even for the older kids too, if you do it wrong, whatever the task is, if, 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 especially if it's something that they're used to and you do it wrong and give them the chance to correct you, you're like a hero. They love it and you'll get tons of language. And it's just a really fun thing to do. And then I love to use wind up toys for, uh, for asking to go and for them to be able to um, actually, it's not really requesting, it's them commanding and telling something to go or something to stop. I think that's like a really easy, fun way to kind of get the kids going. So I think that's, that's like kind of a good start. Those are so great. I love those suggestions. Anybody want to add to that or are there any questions on Facebook? Thanks, Kristen, for monitoring that. Oh, yeah. Um, they were just saying that that's an amazing idea. Um, love that it, Love that idea to work with all the kids. Um, so, yeah, they're loving the, 
um, the wind-up toys. They love that. <laughs> Everyone's. Uh, <laughs> I saw, actually, I scrolled back, you guys, and if uh, they want us to say our Instagram names again, somebody asked that we would say uh, the Instagram names again or maybe afterwards in the Facebook group, we could just type them in the comments. Yeah, great idea. Some early nonverbal learners making slow progress, but still progress with this simple core board. Just want thoughts and advice on continuing hand over hand prompting along with modeling. Thank you. Anybody want to address that? I would fade. Um, my advice is um, definitely fade the hand over hand as quickly as you possibly can. It just, it, the progress, it, it can be slow if we prompt too much. So definitely look at a prompt hierarchy and go from the least amount of queuing to the most amount of queuing. And sometimes we do have to use hand over hand if we've gotten to the bottom of the queuing scale and they're still not engaged and they want to be engaged. So um, if they're not engaging too, it could be an activity, an activity that, and that's why I love um, Anne's ideas and Joey's ideas today where, because you really want to create engagement with communication with those early, early communicators, the emergent communicators. The other thing too is you can, if your um, student is really prompt dependent, you can try and just lift the elbow a little bit um, instead of sort of taking their wrist. So that's another thing if they've gotten to the point that they're too prompt dependent, just give them like sort of a little tap um, and then see if they'll start uh, using their device that way too. Yeah, those are great. Was there one more question, Kristen? There was one more here. Um, she says, I have several students with autism spectrum disorder who use devices or core boards, but will not initiate conversation and tend to only be independent for requesting. I've worked on commenting and social uh, use a lot, but haven't had any success motivating them. What to do in this situation? I think we just shared so many great tips and tricks that hopefully that person can pull from some of those, but they can certainly comment again in there unless somebody else has something else to add. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind for me is like make it as ridiculous as you can, <laughs> like make it really fun and see, because I think the, the motivation behind requesting is you get an item and then there isn't an item on the other end of the other communicative functions. We have to make that response as like, over the top, fun as we can to again engage that person to want to comment. Because if they if you respond funny to something they say, you're like, oh, I want their reaction again. And so it's kind of like instead of giving them an item, you're giving them your own theatrics, if that makes sense. Yeah. I just have a random question after that. What is you each one of you, what is your favorite language function to target with AAC device? We can go in the same order that you guys spoke. So Casey, would you mind going first? Um, I guess, oh, I love doing directing actions. Like again, making, um, giving them the power to control my actions and seeing like them just crack up or them light up in that engage in that activity is really, really fun. I love that. How about you, Joey? Um, I really like uh, when my kids start to give opinions. Um, so when they're saying those sort of like, I like that or that's funny and they're giving their um, their own insight and opinions into the activities that we're doing. That's great. Kristen? I think I like teaching feelings just because I feel like it's most powerful. 
for the students like who are not able to express how they're feeling so when they start to express like I'm sad or I'm upset or I'm not feeling well I feel like that has a lot of power and then they you just see them like look at you and they're like you uh, you understand what I'm saying like finally you know but I think it's fun to work on commenting just because there's so many like fun gross interesting things you can do with commenting um, so that's probably the one I enjoyed the most Oh yeah, I guess I'm next, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say directing is also like one of my favorites because like you were saying, like they just light up when they get to tell somebody else what to do for the first time, especially those kids with like orthopedic impairments um, who, you know, maybe can't interact physically with their environment, but with their device, they can tell you to, to go and like you run out the room or they can tell you to turn and you turn around and you fall on the floor. Like those are my favorites. And then Second would probably be commenting because it opens up their social world. So if they tell somebody like a peer in the classroom that they're pretty, um, then that's a really great way to pull somebody into a conversation and, you know, kind of build that social relationship. How about you, Anne? I like them all. I, I mean, <laughs> I, just to get them out of their own little world and get them communicating. I really like, uh, I do like, when they get to direct and and if you combine that with sabotage, I love that. Uh, and I love it when, like during snack time or a lot of times I'll use a jar, like a plastic one that the, I have the lid too tight and I put something like that they really, really want inside of it. And then they're so used to being able to just hand it to you and be like, do my wishes for me because that's what we do. Like that's what the adults are doing. And so then I like being able to model like, oh, uh, like, what? And then, you know, kind of start to build that, uh, that understanding that, oh, maybe I do, maybe there's a quicker way for me to get this done is really fun. Yeah, those are great. All right, well, we'll go ahead and wrap this up because I'm not even sure how long of a video we can have to repost to Facebook. But just want to say thank you guys so much for coming on, sharing your tips. We'll definitely share our Instagram handles in the comments in case anybody is interested or missed that part in the beginning. And girls, if you don't mind staying on, I want to get a picture of all of us together. But thank you everybody for listening. And if you have any questions, feel free to share it in the comments and we'll, we will try to answer it as quickly as possible. Anybody want to add anything before we go? No, thanks. This has no? been fun. Yeah, thank you. It was so much fun. Do you know the number one reason this podcast keeps going? It's because of your positive reviews. I promise I read every single review and even do a little happy dance and sometimes cry, but always think, yes, this is still helping someone. So if you found this episode to be helpful at all, can you do me a favor and take a screenshot or leave a positive review? That helps the podcast in so many ways I can't even begin to describe. But to start, it helps to spread the word and get more inspirational guests on the show. It also encourages me to keep showing up and serving you so you can stop reinventing the wheel and start feeling part of a larger SLP community. Not to mention, I will be your best friend forever. So if you've taken the time to leave a positive review, or if you've taken a screenshot and shared it with your friends on social media, thank you from the bottom of my heart. It's because of you that this podcast continues to grow and keep going. Love you guys. And thank you so much for being part of this journey with me.